Parshas Shemos. In this week's Parsha, we are introduced for the first time to one of the greatest men in our history. And Yocheved gave birth to a son. Moshe ben Amram is born into the Jewish nation, a handsome baby boy. His mother saw that Kitovhu, that he was good looking. She didn't see that he was good natured or that he was smart. You can't see that in a baby. She saw that he was handsome, a beautiful child. And that's almost all we know about this little boy. And yet only a few Pazukim later, Moshe, already an elderly sage of 80 years, is being granted a vision of the glory of Hashem at the burning bush. And the messenger of Hashem appeared to him in a flame of fire. And suddenly this adorable little boy, now a man of 80, is chosen to be the redeemer of the Am Yisrael. Now what would be proper for us to consider the story of Moshe's life and to study how Moshe ben Amram became Moshe Rabbeinu? What was his path to success? After all, he was the man who took us out of Mitzrayim and led us for 40 years in the Midbar. He spent 40 days and 40 nights with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He spoke to Hashem peh el peh and brought down the Torah to the Am Yisrael. There was no man greater than he. And not only was he one of the most remarkable men in the history of our nation, but more importantly, he was one of the great models that we aspire to emulate. The Rambam in Hilchas Tshuva says that. He says that we should all aspire to be like Moshe Rabbeinu. Every person is fit to be righteous like Moshe Rabbeinu. Now you'll never become a Navi like Moshe was. But every one of us was born with the talents needed to become a Tzaddik like Moshe. And therefore it is incumbent upon us to probe the life of this great man to find the seeds of his greatness. And yet... When we begin to investigate his life, we are stymied by a most peculiar fact. Moshe Rabbeinu, an 80-year-old man, seemingly appears out of thin air. The Redeemer of the Am Yisrael appears on the scene, and we know almost nothing about him. We're not told what made him great and why he was chosen or what paths of Avodah Hashem did he walk on for 80 years that made him one of the chosen to the one chosen to redeem the Am Yisrael. How did the Ish Mitzri become the Ish HaElokim, the only man who would ever speak to Hashem Pel Peh, mouth to mouth? Of course, we are all familiar with a, short, with a few short pesukim about his early days. He was brought up in the palace of Paro, and then he was forced to flee for his life when he defended a fellow Jew by, by killing a Mitzri. But besides for that, we know almost nothing. Moshe Rabbeinu turns up many decades later at the burning bush in the mountains of Midian, having been chosen by Hashem to redeem his people. And I'll tell you a Chiddush now. Even the one incident we know of this great man, how he went out from the palace to save his fellow Jew, is told to primarily to tell us to know that we know very, very little about Moshe. Of course, there are other important things we learn about Moshe from there as well. And we'll talk about that one day as well. But the primary purpose of those Pesukim is to introduce the story of his having to flee. The little we know of him only comes to tell us that we actually know very little about this great man. He was forced to flee for his life into the lonely wilderness and he became a wanderer in exile. Don't think it was easy for him. It was a lonely life, 
no contact with his people, no family, and no friends. And after many years, his wandering led him to Midian. And even there, how did he spend his days? As a shepherd, alone in the mountains of Midian, grazing the sheep for Yisrael. That's what the Torah tells us about his years in Midian. He spent his days alone in the Midbar as a shepherd pastoring the flocks. And Moshe was pastoring the sheep of Yitro, his father-in-law, and he led his flock towards the wilderness. Moshe spent his days, it was months, it was years in solitude in the remote pastures of loneliness. So what we're seeing here now is a picture of a nomad, a lonely wanderer for 40 years. 40 years is a long time to be alone. And besides for a few small incidents, that's all we are told about how Moshe became Moshe Rabbeinu. That's all we know about him, that he wandered through the wilderness alone. And so we'll have to say that it was there, shepherding sheep in the isolation of the wilderness, that Moshe achieved the greatness that earned for him his place in history. It is evident that this had been the plan of Hashem, to separate this promising and gifted, gifted man from his family and send him into the wilderness and lonely wasteland of Midian and, and Sinai. And this was all to keep him in solitude. Solitude wasn't merely an episode in his career. It was the cause of his career, and it readied him to become the greatest man in history. By, separate, by separating him from his family and by keeping him in solitude, HaKadosh Baruch Hu was creating the future leader of the Am Yisrael. And so that is what we will attempt to study now. The strange fact that Moshe Rabbeinu spent most of his formative years, years that we would have imagined would be spent under the tutelage of Sadiqim and Oivdei Hashem, and instead... There were years spent alone, separate from his fellow Jews, and often isolated from mankind altogether. So what was the plan of Hashem over here? What kind of environment was this for Moshe Rabbeinu? Now I'm too small to be able to answer these questions, but I have the right to try to guess. And so in order to appreciate more fully this plan of Hashem, we should endeavor to study this step by step, what it is about solitude that can make a person so great. We'll begin by reading a selection from the Chayvah Salavavos. The Chayvah Salavavos has a shahar called Cheshbon nefesh, which means thinking. And he suggests certain duties that we're expected to think about. 30 different ideas. He said there are many more, but he suggests 30 of them. It's Kedai to study them all, but tonight we'll study some, some of Cheshbon number 17. He says as follows, What should a man think about when he has an urge to seek the company of people? It means when he, feel, when he feels lonesome, let's say it's Moitzei Shabbos. The family went out to visit the relatives in Borough Park and he's left all alone in the house. So he looks through the window and he sees cars crowded with people speeding to some destination. And he imagines their fun times ahead. Or let's say he's stuck in the yeshiva on Moitzei Shabbos. He's an out-of-town boy and everybody else is at home with their families and he's left alone in his dormitory room. Or, just, or he's just an unfortunate fellow who didn't marry and he's all by himself wherever he is. And he yearns for the company of people. And so this man is thinking about how much fun it would be to be together with people. So what does the Chayvah Salvavas tell him? At that time, let, it, let him consider the advantages 
of solitude and how good it is to be separate from his people, from people, because of the harm that comes from their company. The Chayvus Levavus is telling us here that the most basic benefit of solitude, if you associate with people who have little Yiras Hashem, or maybe they have the wrong ideas, so they poison your mind. There's no question that, you, that they're going to cause certain defects in your mind and in your character. Of course, he doesn't mean the company of Talmidei Chachabim. He means ordinary people, the Chevra Haksilim, the company of fools. But the truth is that wise men are often hard to find. Most often, it is among the fools that you find yourself. And so he tells us, the first thing to consider is the harm that comes from the fools and the great benefit that can accrue, therefore, by merely avoiding their company. Now, sometimes you can't help yourself. You have to visit your in-laws sometimes. So you have to sit and listen to their chatter. And so you have to act like you enjoy it. Or maybe for business, you're in an office or a store and you have customers and co-workers who like to chew the rag. So you have to act like they're saying something very wise, as if you're interested in their idle chatter. But outside of that, a person should always think about the dangers of the chevra of bad company. For instance, much harm is accrued to a man from merely superfluous talk, from shooting the breeze. So you'll tell me, what's so bad about talking the news, about sports, and about the neighborhood? I know it won't make me a tzaddik, but harmful? Yes, superfluous talk is in itself an injury to a man. The Chayvah Salavavah says that you should avoid yakking of other. In order that the superficiality, the emptiness of your associates should not bring you to become empty too. When you're together with ordinary empty people, you become ordinary as well. He's talking here about from people. Their tzitzis are out and they have black hats. There are many from people who are empty. And therefore, if you'll associate with people, you'll come down to their level and you'll become empty too. I'll become empty too, you'll ask me? How's that? So pay good attention because I'm telling you now one of the unrecognized dangers that come from listening to superfluous talk. It causes the listener to think along with the talker or rather to unthink along with the talker. And so, as the words of wisdom come gushing forth from Uncle Harry's mouth, he's talking without any planning after all. So your mind is following what he is saying. You're a respectful person after all, so you're listening, you're concentrating, and all the inities, all the thoughtlessness of his conversation is being repeated by you in your mind. That's what happens when you listen to anyone. The words are being replayed in your own head. So Uncle Harry just became your Rebbe. And he just filled your mind with he said and she said, we said and I said and they said. And it's a long confusion that merely fills up your head with nothing at all, something for which there is no need. And that's one way, easy, of ruining your mind. And even with good people, decent people, but if they're people who live more or less with materialism, and it's something you find a lot today, they hardly ever think about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So you should know that they're going to drag you down to their level. It's contagious. Wrong attitudes and wicked ideas are contagious. Now you wouldn't sit together with people who have pneumonia or the flu and they're coughing 
and sneezing in your face, that you understand. You get upset if someone is so kind as to share his germs with you. That kind of sharing you have no interest in. You'll keep away from him, or at least you'll tell him to cover his mouth. And you have to know that often. The words coming from a person's mouth can be much worse than pneumonia. And as if that wasn't enough trouble, the Chayvah Salavavos quotes the Chacham in Mishle and says even more, in a multitude of words, there cannot be absent any iniquity. There's no question. Mishle tells us that when people talk voluminous, they're going to commit sins. It's not even a question. Lo yechdal pesha. It's impossible to avoid it. It's not even easy to avoid sins when you choose your words. But when you open your mouth and you turn on the faucet, then there's no question that lo yechdal pesha. That's the Pasuk and Mishlein. I'll just add now my own observation. You can imagine when you sit down on a bench in a courtyard of your apartment house with a neighbor or a friend and four hours elapse in conversation and you're not silent during that time. It's lively. It's gushing, pouring forth. In those four hours, you can imagine how many times Pesha was committed. But of course, if you don't think about that, so you blindly and innocently continue to produce Peshayim. It's like the man who blindly and innocently drives his autom- automobile off of a cliff. It's a disaster. Now we go back to the Chayvah Salavavus, and by avoiding such company, you'll avoid speaking against people and mentioning faults of people and ridiculing people, because that's what people do when they sit and have nothing else to do. They talk about other people. And finally, when the whole conversation is used up, and he already spoke about everybody that he could. So he begins picking up, picking his relatives apart. It's a, it's a pasuk in Tehillim. You sit and you talk against your brother and against the son of your own mother. You impute foolishness. And when somebody will say, what are you saying against your own brother? You say, it's my own brother. I don't mean any harm. No harm. You just blackened your brother and made him look as silly as possible. And also lies. Talking brings sheked. Big lies, little lies. Lo yamale. The more you speak, the more you'll be nichshel in the opposite of emes. Because in order to make your stories interesting, you have to embellish them at least a little, at least a little bit with stories, with details that never took place. You don't intend to lie, but you still want your listener to be interested. He shouldn't be bored by you. And so you utilize stories and facts that actually never took place. And so that's how, it is when, that's how it is when you're around people. When you're with people so you don't control yourself. Your tongue wags and wags. You say whatever comes into your mind. You're forced to do it because you have to say something when people are around. So you say all kinds of things, all kinds of trouble happens. You'll sin and sin some more. And your mind will be dragged down to the lowest common denominator of your conversations. It's a fact that's proven all the time, every day, in everyone's life. And therefore, the more you avoid wrong company, the better off you are. However, important as that is, we're not going to say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent Moshe Rabbeinu out into solitude of the Midian wilderness just for that. Avoiding Averus and superfluous talk, that's very important. It's a diamond on its own. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu had much more in mind for Moshe Rabbeinu. 
because actually there is much more profound benefit of solitude, something much more than merely avoiding chet. And it is that benefit that made Moshe Rabbeinu the great man that he became. And that's what we'll study now. Now in order to better understand the Ma'alas Ha'ishboyditus, the great benefit of solitude, we will study a piece from the Mesil Sishorim. You should pay close attention to the following because this statement we're going to read now is a diamond. Only that you have to be a maven, a connoisseur, in order to appreciate such a gem. He says like this, The most precious of all things is solitude. To spend time by yourself. Now it doesn't have to be all day long, but sometime a person must make for himself. And he says that he's doing so, that doing so is, it's more, it's more precious than anything else. You're hearing something now. He doesn't say that it's also a good thing, and not even that it's precious, but it's more precious than anything else. Solitude. And the Mesilus Yishorim continues. David HaMelech spoke words of high praise when speaking of this quality of solitude. He said, if only I had, if I had wings like a dove, I would fly far away and reside somewhere in a lonesome place. I would wander off and be alone. I would remain in the will. I would remain in the wilderness. I would make that my place forever. So here is David Amelech sitting sitting in his palace, surrounded by people, surrounded by his advisors and friends. He had a lot of admirers as well. All good things. He's living the good life. And yet, what do we find? That he's yearning to be in the wilderness. Now that's a big question because what David was, what what was David doing up there in the wilderness anyhow? What did he yearn to go back for already? He had everything he wanted, and of course, for us, it's a good question because when we think about being alone in the wilderness, it doesn't seem so enjoyable. If we would go hide away in the mountains with nobody else, with nothing to do. We wouldn't know what to do with ourselves. Many people are not capable of enjoying their own company and therefore it's impossible for them to be happy unless something comes in to cause them to remove their mind from the present. If you would bring a good novel with you into the wilderness or maybe a portable television, okay, then we're talking. But that's not solitude. That just means they have nothing in their heads And so they're always trying to fill that vacuum with something. Those are the type of people who line up in front of the movies waiting to be admitted. These are people who can't live with with themselves. They always have to go someplace where something is happening. Their lives are so empty of happiness that they'll stand in line and pay admission for something that is a substitute for happiness. And what type of happiness is it? When they leave the movies, the money remains behind. They take along nothing with them except for a mixed-up head, silly, unrealistic pictures that never happened and never will happen. But at least for the moment, their minds were off of themselves. There are a lot of people not capable of solitude, but people who want to succeed in life will train themselves to enjoy their own company. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu did for so many years. It's what David Amelech did after him. Because David wanted to be great. And so he studied the life of Moshe Rabbeinu and chose to walk in his footsteps. And those are the people who are able to live happy and successful lives even without frequent contact with others. You know that the Gra kept his shutters closed by day. 
his windows were shuttered, shuttered up by day that he shouldn't be able to look into the street and remove his mind from the business of serving Hashem. But I remember my Rebbe, Zichron Levracha, telling us that we shouldn't do it. Because if we close the windows and shutter them, we'll just fall asleep. We'll take a long nap. So it depends what you'll do in the wilderness. What are you doing when you close the shutters? If you go into solitude carrying a pillow or a newspaper or radio under your arm. If, if you take with you a telephone or a little black and white television, then that's not solitude. You're listening to the man on the other side of the radio or the man on the television screen who's pouring ideas into your head. You're far from being alone if you're reading a newspaper. You're sitting together with the nincompoops who write for the New York Times. And so you have to know what to do when you're alone. And so we'll explain as follows. Solitude doesn't merely mean that you should be alone. It means that you should be alone for a purpose, for the purpose of perfection. Solitude means being alone and being capable of using that opportunity to produce perfection of character. And the secret to the success is the realization that actually you're not alone. You're alone with Hashem. Now that's something to think about. When you find that time without all the distractions of life, and now you're finally alone, that's when you're finally alone with your best friend, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now don't tell this to your wife. She should always think that she's your best friend. But the truth is that your greatest success and happiness in this world will come from the time you spend alone and build a relationship with your true best friend, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now I know that many people, when they hear these words, it sounds extreme to them. They think I'm exaggerating. A man here said to me once, relationship with Hashem? What am I? A base Yaakov girl? But that's because people don't realize their purpose in this world. They don't know that they're here only for that. To gain a relationship with Hashem that is tangible. An actual Kirvas Hashem. It is the most noble way of perfecting oneself, of attaining Shlemus and making the most out of life. And so now we can come back to the question we asked earlier. Why did Davin yearn so much to remain alone in the wilderness forever? And the answer is because for David, what was the good, what was the good in life? David said, being close to Hashem, that's what I say is good. David grew up as a shepherd and he spent his entire youth in the wilderness. And it was there, far away from the distractions and encumbrances of life, that he found it most conducive to being alone with Akalush Baruchu. There was no company around to spoil his mind and to distract his thoughts. He was still a boy, unencumbered with a family. He had no enemies, nobody, would, nobody was jealous of him yet. And he had nothing to worry about. And his true greatness came there. When he was lying down with his sheep in the green meadows by the still waters of the creeks. And he would take out his harp to play sweet songs in order to inspire himself to think about his Yedid Nefesh, his best friend in the world. And it was there that he sang to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And his soul ascended on the notes of his harp to heaven. And he became great there behind the sheep, singing his songs to Hashem. 
And it was all of those songs of love and gratitude that David sang all of his life. He says it openly in Tehillim. David HaMelech was, David HaMelech was up. He was a big part. He was up a big part of the night. Every night talking to Hashem. This we know from, our, from his own words. He said, Tov, do you know what is good in this world? To give thanks to Hashem. And he did what he said. He practiced what he sang. The only good in the world is to sing to your name, O Most High. And when did he do it? All day long. He related Hashem's kindness in the morning when he got up. And and your steadfastness to help me in the night time. This means that by day and by night, that's what David was doing. He was thanking Hashem. It wasn't for a few minutes in the morning and another few minutes at night. That's just what we do as a faint echo of what David did. He spent his life in solitude with Hashem, talking and thanking, thanking and talking without end. Cole's man, as long as I am alive, I give my thanks to you. David was busy thanking Hashem all the time. When he breathed the air, he thanked Hashem for air. Ah, air. The very best cocktail in the world. Oxygen mixed with a little nitrogen. David would breathe it in deeply and then he would thank Hashem for another breath. Of course, David did other things as well. He was a king and a Talmud Chochem too. He had a lot of work to do on his hands. But he always found time to be alone with Hashem. And that's why even when he sat in the palace among his chaverim, David HaMelech said, I look on my right and I see there is nobody who knows me. Nobody who knows me. You think they know you? But no, it's only a dream. Whom do I have in heaven? You, Hashem. And that's all I need. And together with you, I don't want anyone else in the world. David meant these words. It wasn't just poetry. And he meant it because his time he spent that his time that he spent alone with Hashem had brought him close to Hashem. These were the thoughts of David Amelech, his songs that he composed and sang during his years of solitude. And so later, when David became a Melech, he yearned for those days of Kirvas Hashem. Ah! If only I could have wings and fly back to the wilderness where I once was a, as where I once was as a youth, and I would be alone, alone by myself, alone with Akalish Baruch Hu. and that's what the great men of our past always did. That's how they became great. The Chayvus Lavavus tells us that we find that the Nevim, Eliyahu, and also Elisha, they preferred to be alone on the mountains. You know, people like to mingle with others, with company, and, and to spend time with friends. But the Nevi'im had the opposite attitude. It's a remarkable thing. They avoided the company of people as much as possible because of the benefit of solitude. Of course, when it was necessary, they came and they preached the message of Hashem to the public. They spoke with people when it was important, but they didn't seek the company of people. They preferred to be in solitude, to be alone with Hashem. And the Chayvah Salavavah continues, the sages, the old Hasidim of old, they walked in their footsteps. 
They followed the example of the Nevi'im and they sought solitude because they found it to be the most useful means of acquiring perfection, the most useful way to acquire awareness of Hashem, good character and self-control. That's why there were great men in our history who went out into the wilderness, into the forest to be alone, sometimes for days. It was a sacrifice. They gave up tefillah at seaboard and other mitzvahs. Everybody knows the story. The Baal Shem Tov went into the forest for days. Now, being days in the forest means that he missed davening with a minion. So it seems unless maybe he slipped out once in a while into the base Knesset. But it doesn't say that in the story. It seems that he stayed in the forest for days. And he wasn't taking a nap on the bed of moss. He was making use of his time and he was talking. But he wasn't talking to himself. He was talking to somebody with a capital S. Rav Sibcha Zisl, Zichron Levracha, spent every night standing on his feet, all night long on his feet, studying Gemara. That's what he told the people he did. But you can suspect him of taking a little time out and talking to us, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In the wee small hours when nobody was listening, you can be certain that he was speaking to Hashem. You can take my word for it. He was spending time alone with Hashem, talking to Him, the same way David did. That's what all the great tzaddikim did. It's what we call his Hitzbaudidus. Rav Simcha Zistel and the Baal Shem Tov were doing what Moshe Rabbeinu and David HaMelech did for years and years in the wilderness. And these tzaddikim utilize solitude in order to gain the awareness that they are alone with Hashem, to gain a palpable feeling of standing in the presence of Hashem. And so even when they returned to their Talmidim, to their communities, they were not deceived. They always retained the awareness of Hashem that they have had achieved in their solitude. And therefore the man who aspires to be better the one who wants to make progress in this world, he tries to find opportunities to be alone. To spend your life as much as possible alone in your thoughts with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That is the great career open to all of us. A noble way of perfecting oneself, of attaining shleimus, and making the most out of life. Because there's nothing in life as conducive to perfection as the condition of being alone with Hashem. Now what to do when you're, when you're alone? That's something that takes a lot of explaining. But the first step is to decide that you're going to be a person who utilizes solitude properly. Let's say you're all alone in your room. There's nobody there right now. Your wife is out shopping. It's Saturday night and she's out with her friends. They're going to the stores shopping. So you happen to be home by yourself. Ah. You can take this as a glorious opportunity. I'm alone for a little while. I'm alone with a Baruch Baruchu. If you wish, you can talk to Hashem. It's the best company. If you have nothing to say, open a Tehillim and talk to Him in the words of Tehillim, the words of praise. Now that's not a Chiyav. If you wish, you can go along with your wife on the shopping spree. There's no sin if you don't want to remain home. But if you are a person who seeks greatness of character, you seize the opportunity to be alone and you understand that it's a gift from Shamayim. Of course you have to learn how to spend your time alone. But when you learn it, you'll appreciate that great gift. Now one of the first things, the most basic thing you'll have to do when you're alone with Hashem 
is to think about the chasodim that he bestows upon you all the time and to thank him for them. You can start by thinking about the food that you ate today. Thank Hashem for your food. So you say, I was Yotze already once, I thanked. No, that's not enough. You have to thank him always. In addition, in addition to your brothers, in addition to Birkas HaMazun, there's no end to what you have to be thankful for. Walk out in the cold weather and you have a nice warm garment made of wool. You have to think about these things and tell Hashem how grateful you are to Him. Ah, thank you Hashem for giving me my warm clothing. And say, Hashem, Baruch for a beautiful day. It takes a long time before the day is finished. Thank Him a number of times each day for a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day, Hashem. A beautiful day. Now when it's raining, it's also a beautiful day. Oh Hashem, it's a beautiful day when diamonds fall from the sky. You say, I thank you Hashem. I thank you Hashem. I thank you Hashem. That's an excellent way of spending your spare time. I know that most of what you're hearing now seems very artificial and remote to your minds. It's so remote that we're not even interested in hearing about it. You're waiting for me to move on to say something else. But I want to tell you that those people who train themselves to be alone with Hashem are the happiest creatures on the earth. There is nothing more pleasurable than the opportunity to talk directly to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the Sibcha of Avas Hashem. A man that is praising Hashem always is a really happy man. Now thanking Hashem is only the beginning. Once you make time to be alone with Hashem, there's so much to do, so many good things to do to perfect your character. You can think about yourself, think about your life, because a man has to think about himself. Is he walking in the ways of Yashur or not? He has to examine his lifestyle in general, and he has to examine his individual deeds. Are they in, in accordance with what he would like them to be, or better yet, in accordance with what the Torah would like them, with what the Torah would like them to be. So you need some time for that. Otherwise, your, lo- your life goes by and you continue to repeat the same errors and not to make progress. It's important to have time alone. And therefore, it's the people who live with Seichel who are cognizant of the fact that, that they can have a real relationship with Hashem. There's no question they'll be better off. Only that you can't start all at once. You do it gradually. Today you acquire a little bit and tomorrow you add a little more until you become entirely accustomed to it. So let's say you're walking on the street with a friend and you say, let's make a project that from this lamppost to the next lamppost we'll think only of a Kalash Baruch Try that. It's not as easy as it sounds. If you're not with a friend, do it yourself. Even better, you're walking down King, King's Highway all alone with your best friend. Challenge yourself. If I can think about Barakalish Barakul from this street to the next street, it's only 20 paces in between. So that means I was alone with Hashem for a little bit. And at the end, you relax. Ah, I did it. I made it. For 20 paces, I thought about Akalish Barakul. A man once said to me, 20 paces is nothing. I think about him always. Ah, nefgetog. It means he never thinks about him. You can't do it unless you practice up and it's not easy. It's like breathing. 
You know, it's a good idea to practice breathing. Ah, you breathe in deeply and you hold your breath and walk five paces, then you exhale. Now you take a deep breath again and you walk six paces while you're holding your breath. And then exhale. After a while, you'll be walking 50 paces. That's a record for you. If you can walk 50 paces holding your breath, then you have big lungs, big windbags. You can be a good runner too, an athlete. That's the way to exercise your lungs. But here's a way of exercising your neshama and your mind. And it's not just a good piece of advice that I came up with. It's a command in the Torah. Be aware. Beware not to forget Hashem. What does it mean not to forget Hashem? It doesn't mean merely to keep the mitzvahs. It doesn't say beware not to forget the mitzvahs. You should beware not to forget Hashem. That means you should be thinking about Him. Try thinking about our Kaddish Baruch Hu for one minute straight. There's so much to think about. Think that Hashem is looking at you. Think that Hashem loves you. I love you, says Hashem. Do you think about that ever? Do you ever stop to think that Hashem loves you? He loves you a thousand times more than your mother loves you. And you never thought about it. You never once thought that Hashem loves you immensely, infinitely. That's a wonderful thing to think about for your one minute excursion into solitude. Your minute of being alone with Hashem in your thoughts. So you're thinking... And if there's no one listening, then you could say it too. Hashem, I know you're right here with me and that you're listening to me. You love me more than I can imagine. You love me more than my mother loves me, more than my father, more than my friends love me. You're taking care of me. Everything you do to me is for the best and I love you too. And then you relax. You made it. You were together with HaKadosh Baruch Hu for one minute straight. And after a while, try for two minutes. And then when you get used to that, you could try a little bit longer. Now that's a man who's, got, who's a head taller than the rest of the world. Another remarkable opportunity for being alone with Hashem is you're dressing in the morning or undressing at night. The Torah says that one has to be careful not to expose his body unnecessarily when he's dressing or undressing alone in his room. So you might say, well, it's dark in this room. Who sees me anyway? Don't say who sees me. He sees you. And therefore, every morning and every night, when you dress and undress, it's your opportunity to have some solitude with Hashem. You're thinking these thoughts. Hashem is here with me and He's looking, and that's why I'm careful how I undress. Of course, Hashem has x-ray vision too. Nevertheless, the fact that he is looking should be enough to make you cover yourself. It's a practice. It's a targil. You do it always, and little by little you gain an awareness of this great truth that Hashem is looking. It's very important to work on that. Hashem is always watching you. Sometimes you take a walk, and that's a great opportunity. For all of us here, walking could also be a form of solitude. Solitude doesn't mean you have to be in a cave or on a desert island. When you walk down the street, you're, you're all alone. No one is talking to you. And it's a glorious opportunity to talk to Hashem. Ask Hashem that He should help you with everything. I am going for a walk, Hashem. 
Please help me, I should succeed in gaining good health. And that I shouldn't have any difficulties with rude people that bump into me. And while they are bumping into me, they put their hand in my back pocket and try taking out my wallet. This happens every day on King's Highway. Somebody is shouting, I just lost my wallet, it had $100 in it. Please, Hashem, I shouldn't have any difficulties crossing the streets. When you want to cross the street, absolutely, you should ask the Kaddish Baruch Hu for help. Ask the Kaddish Baruch Hu to protect you from accidents. Accidents are happening all the time. You think you are a wise man that you look both ways when you start walking, and that's enough? There's a fellow ahead of you. He is turning the corner on two wheels, and he's not asking for your. He's not asking you for permission. Every day, then there's nisim happening. He just missed you by a half an inch. Here's a man walking on the sidewalk. All of a sudden, a truck zooms by. A drunken man driving a truck runs up on the sidewalk and hits him, and he's finished. He wasn't even thinking of buying a beer, a burial, a burial plot. A young man, and all of a sudden, he's dead, laying on the sidewalk. Ay, ay, ay. A tragedy. It happens again and again. Drunken drivers run up on the sidewalk. You have to cross the street, surely, but before you cross, you think, it's a foolish thing to say a tefillah. You should cross successfully. And so always ask a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And when you get to the other side, say, thank you, Hashem, that I made it across successfully. And when you come home, B'Shalom, Baruch Hashem, I made it. I came home and everything is in order. Thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That is solitude with Hashem. And it's available to you all the time. Now sometimes, how to get solitude is a problem. Let's say you're in a yeshiva and you're busy all day learning in the yeshiva. If you're, a busy, if you're in a busy base medrash, where's your solitude? So Tzadik once said, let's say you're in the yeshiva. And you have a Gemara in front of you. So you put the Gemara in front of your face and you transport it to some far isolated place and you're speaking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem, please Hashem, see that I don't waste my years, that I accomplish something in my young days and help that I should be able to do something later in life for you and for your people. And if you're not married yet, Every chassid has to pray when the time comes to find a wife. Matzah zu isha. You have to pray and pray. But not just one time. You have to pray and pray and pray that Hashem should send you the right one. Don't say, it's beshert And forget about it. It could be beshert saras for you. Chas v'sholom. That could be beshert too. The Gemara says, Delilah was beshared for Shimshon. A big hatzlocha he had from Delilah. So you have to pray to Hashem, give me a good beshared. You have to pray, oh yes, you must pray. And start praying. Not on, not on Arab, the chasana. Pray a long, time, a long time before. It's very important. You have to pray for children, for healthy children. And then your children should give you nachas. How many talmidei chachamim don't have any nachas from the children. So you're talking to Hashem non-stop. You're alone with Hashem in the base medrash. And that's what the Chayvah Salavavah calls Yidboidudus betok hahamon. It's possible to be in solitude in the midst of a multitude. 
Of course, you can't be alone all the time. You have to be a father and a mother as well, or a mother as well. You have to be a son or a daughter, a neighbor, an employee, whatever it is. But as much as possible, if you can spend time in solitude, a little bit more or less, and think about Hashem and talk to Him, it's amazing what can be achieved. Then you feel you are alone with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And that's the truth. Because even when, when you're dwelling among your brothers, you're in a crowd, you're hanging on a strap in the subway, you're really alone. So now you'll think, now you'll think about that when you're on the subway. You're caught, on, you're caught up in the subway during rush hour and you're hanging onto the strap. Close your eyes and feel the place is empty. Of course, you should watch your pockets anyhow. Keep your hand on your wallet and forget about the crowd around you. All around you is a storm of humanity with all of their little interests, their little worries, their conversations, their little minds. You're holding onto this trap, but you are now in the wilderness of Midian all alone. You're misboided with Hashem and you're coming closer to Him. Let's say you're sitting in a waiting room by a dentist and you have to wait for a half hour. If you have a safer, look in the safer. You don't have a safer, here's your chance. Or you wake up in the middle of the night. Sometimes for a few minutes you can't sleep. So until you fall asleep again, again, let's say you, you'll be thinking, let's say you'll be thinking, Hashem spoke, that's all He did. He spoke, that's all He did. He spoke and the world came into existence. Utsiva, he commanded Vyamod, and there arose a world. The heavens were made only by the word of Hashem. That's why it says the Olam Hashem Your word is standing in the Shamayim. Your word. You said Yehi, and it's standing in the Shamayim. You take away the word Yehi, and the whole Shamayim would collapse into nothing. Everything around you is all just Hashem's imagination. You have to think about that. He spoke, He was the one who was the Maha, the Mahave, the whole Bria. A great nace. It never happened again. That's a thought that can make you great while you're sitting alone in a dentist's office or hanging on to a subway strap. Let's say you're sitting at a bar mitzvah party and all around you... All the tongues are clacking. What do you need it for? Is all that chatter going to do you good in the next world? So you're a smart fellow. So you act like you're listening, but your mind is someplace else. You're in the forest now, like the Baal Shem Tov went into the forest. You're in the forest with Hashem. You'll find solitude with HaKadosh Baruch and when somebody asks you something, so you come out of the forest to answer, they'll say, he's absent-minded. So you'll say, I'm sorry, I was thinking about something. They'll think, you were thinking about your business or something. Let them think so. What we're seeing now is that it's possible, to find solitude with Hashem, even as you're in the midst of people. Let's say you're attending a wedding. At the wedding, as you sit around, it's not polite to take out a Gemara. So you're sitting at the table or you're dancing, clapping. Whatever you're doing, you're participating. But your mind is with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. First of all, you can say to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, 
bless the chassan and bless the kala. They should have all. They should all have good health all their lives. They should have parnasah bareva. You should say it with your mind and nobody's listening. You could say it with your mind and nobody's listening, but even better, you could say it with your mouth. The music is so loud, nobody will hear you. They think you're singing along. Bless them that they should have the most beautiful and smartest children. Bless them that they should always get along with each other. Bless them that they should live long and dance at the weddings of all of their grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Do you think that's all? Do you think about that at all? Why shouldn't you? They need your tefillahs. Everybody's getting married, you should know. Needs as many tefillahs as possible. And Atashomeya, Hashem is listening to your tefillahs. And when you do this, when you daven for other people, you should know you are exceptional. Because you're a big, you're at, a, you're in a big wedding hall full of people, hundreds of people. But as far as you're concerned, it's just you and Hashem. Or let's say you were forced to go somewhere after, after all, you must go visit cousin Chaim in Borough Park. It's your wife's cousin, and you can't say no this time. So they're eating malava malka, and everybody's chatting, and you're like a fish on dry land. Their minds are, are being ground to pieces by the idle chatter. So you're sitting among them and you chose to close your eyes for a moment. They'll think you're dozing off, but actually you have retired into your cave and you're talking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You're thinking your thoughts. Everybody is talking and you are thinking, ah, that is solitude. Just for a moment, one moment is also a very big achievement. Solitude doesn't mean a lifetime of being isolated from humanity. Every minute is, a, is an achievement in itself. Of course, Sadiqim are able to have the Vegas clinging to Hashem always. But we're not, we, we are not that big. But if you have the Vegas for one minute, then you've already accomplished something great with your life. Now I know people will listen to me and they will just dismiss these ideas. They think that it's a Midas Hasidis. It's something that only very great people should do, but that's wrong. Don't think that what we're saying here is going overboard. Just because ordinary people will often live like they do with 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 Chesach Adas. They daven as ordinary people daven. And mostly, their minds are occupied with ordinary things. Doesn't mean that you have to do the same. HaKadosh Baruch wants more than ordinariness. He wants you to be close to Him because those who are far from Him will eventually go lost. And even though you seem to be a Shomer Mitzvah, but actually you're far away from Him and you're, if your mind doesn't concentrate on Him, if you're not living with Him in your mind, and therefore, as much as possible, you spend time talking to Hashem. You don't have, to, you don't have a sitter. You don't need it to heal him. Use your own mind, in your own thoughts, and in your own words. You're alone with Hashem. Now while we're on the topic, I'll mention one more opportunity that we have every day, and that's the Shemona Esrei. The Amida, you know, is said almost silently, silently, and it's supposed to be as if you're standing in the, in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and you're talking to the Shekhinah. 
That's how a person should imagine himself. There's nobody around and you're talking directly to Hashem. It's a glorious opportunity. Nobody can hear what you're saying except yourself, perhaps. Like Elish Baruch who's listening. Now that's real solitude. Only that when a person doesn't have that added, the attitude of talking to a Kalish Baruchu, so his Shimona Esrei is just to him something he has to rattle off by rote, something he just has to get done, and he'll never experience the ecstasy of speaking to a Kalish Baruchu. And that's the great tra- tragedy of what we do when we daven. We're talking to Hashem, but actually, you are close, you are close in their mouths but you are far away from their kidneys. It means that you, Hashem, are far away from their insides, their minds. That the, that's, what the, the, that's what the Navi is saying. And that's the truth. That's what Davenin is. And so it's very important for us to think, to think Hashem is listening to us. That's step number one. You are listening. If He's listening to you, it's impossible to remove your mind from thinking of what you're saying. When you're just saying something to the wall or to the sitter, it's possible to forget the Gavala. The intention of what you are saying, but when you are talking to someone, you never talk with, with Shalom Kavana, unless you're Meshuggah. And it's only if a man sincerely embarks on, this, on a career of learning to constantly speak to Hashem, that his davening finally becomes meaningful. Now, at its super now, at first, it's superficial. You're a hypocrite. Of course, it's a good hypocrisy. You're doing it to train yourself. You talk to Hashem and, and you say, I thank you, Hashem, that you, have me, me, that you have made me healthy. When you see a man hopping in the street with one, with one empty trouser leg, he has crutches and you have two good legs, you have to stop and think, Baruch Hashem, that I have two good legs. You see a man walking in the street and one empty sleeve pinned to his pocket, you have to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that you have two arms. The Gemara says, a person should always ask for a shayim not to become wicked. I'm sorry. A person should always ask for, for Rachamim not to become sick. When should he do it? La'olam, always. Sickness is always lurking in every nook and cranny of the body. All around us, germs are floating around in the air. If you walk in the street and somebody coughs in your face, a whole mouthful of germs sticks to your face from his saliva. It is a very fine form of disgrace. We are in the midst of a cauldron of peril, and illness is one of the most frequent things that happen to a person. And so the Chachamim are giving us a piece of very sound advice. Ask Hashem not to become ill. You ask, you can ask in general, which is also good. But when you hear what happened to a certain man, that he had a tumor on his brain, then you should ask Hashem specifically, heal that man, send him a Rufu Shalema. And please, Hashem, protect me. Protect me, Hashem. I don't want a brain tumor. Please protect me. And no matter how many times you say it, it will not be enough. In, Sh- in Shemona Esrei, we say it three times a day, but actually all day long, you have to thank Hashem that you are well and ask Him to keep you well. 
always pray to Hashem that you should be well. Your wife should be well. Your children should be well. Pray for them all at the same, at one time. And little by little you will get accustomed to saying the words. And after a while, you're going to feel that there is a some, that there is somebody with a capital S actually listening. After a while, when you say, Ata, you, you feel like you're talking to somebody with a capital S. And when that great day comes, then you know you have arrived. And that's what the Mesilis Hashanah says. That at first you say it. And say it. And after a while, the realization enters your mind and you're actually, you're actually talking to someone. You're talking to Hashem and you've begun to taste the sweetness of being alone with Him. Now we've only begun to scratch the search, surface of this great opportunity of being alone with a Kaddish Baruch. It's a great career that is open to everybody. Men and women, boys and girls. And it's the career made that made Moshe ben Amram into Moshe Rabbeinu. That's a huge step. And so we come back to the question that we asked at the beginning of our talk. What was the secret to Moshe Rabbeinu's success? What did he do for more than 40 years wandering alone in the wilderness of Sinai and shepherding the mountains of Midian? And And the answer is, that those were the years that made him great, because those were the years that he spent alone with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. It was days and months and years of thinking about what, uh, thinking about Hashem, talking to Hashem, becoming more and more aware of Hashem. All the things we spoke about tonight and much, much more were accomplished by Moshe during those, those years. One of the prime requ- one of the prime requisites for the development of greatness is solitude. And having to go lost for 40 lonely years was the great opportunity for greatness that Hashem presented him to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu led Yitro's flock into the wilderness alone, like Yaakov has done for him so many times, like Yaakov has done for him years earlier in the house of Lavan, and like David Melech did years later. And it was there in solitude that Hashem, with Hashem, that his character grew apace and ripened until the day when Hashem deemed him ready for destiny. And that's what we aspire to emulate. Like we said before, every person is to be writing, every person is fit to be righteous like Moshe Rabbeinu. Only that you have to start somewhere we're all capable of using the great opportunity of solitude from time to time, of using these exercises we spoke about tonight to train ourselves into a life of solitude with HaKadosh Baruch the same way that Moshe Rabbeinu did. And once you start on that career, even if it's only one minute at a time, then you're already living successfully. You're utilizing the great opportunity of being alone with Hashem in this world in order to prepare, in order to prepare for that great career in the afterlife of being alone with Hashem forever and ever. Have a wonderful Shabbos.